Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Phantopological, the podcast that explores the breadth of human fandom. My name is Nick G, and today we're going to ask a question that echoes through our empty streets. Do fans need to meet face-to-face? To answer this question, I have my two best friends with me, Nick T. I should clarify that the streets have no name. And Nick Z. Ahoy, uh, hoy. Fellas, do fans need to meet face-to-face, and will they ever again? <laughs> Ooh, yikes, that took a much darker turn than I was expecting. <laughs> Because I was originally going to be like, aha, well, no, because you got to meet online because how else are you going to find a date? <laughs> we oh. went for the darkness, so we're going to start in the darkness. <laughs> I believe in a thing called love. I mean, unequivocally, no, fans do not need to meet face to face. Like throughout the journey that this podcast has taken, we've gone from zines, pre-zines, if you're talking like Sherlock Holmes and even further back, if you count Greek stories and Beowulf and, and whatever as like real life fan fiction or whatever. Oh, sorry. Sorry. That's too far. But I mean, if you're talking about the world of online, like, no, you don't, you don't have to meet face to face. We've been on forums. We've on news groups. People don't even know what news groups are. I was around for news groups and I still don't know what news groups are. People have had mailing lists. So like the short answer is, ah, hell nah. Man, you can establish a community of words. Most online communities are that. We all got Zoom. We can meet face-to-face online. Pick your platform, whereby Zoom, Google Hangouts, Duo, if that's still alive. (laughs) iPhones have a thing. Twitch, Mixer, all the live streaming platforms, YouTube. So there's a couple of ways to do it without leaving the comfort of your home, which is great for us now. I mean, it, I mean, you can just stay ensconced in, you know, in your in your fandom with your little dust collecting signifiers of of your fandom to yourself and be comforted in that knowledge. But I feel like there's this sort of internal thing that's like it gains a whole new dimension, a whole new level if I'm talking to someone about this thing in person. That thing that we love being the reason that we both are there. It definitely like brings out another sort of dimension of fandom to not even go to a convention, but just to like meet somebody who's also wearing a Zelda shirt. We've got a high bar here today. I'm sorry, Z, I'm wearing a Pokemon shirt. We can't talk. <sighs> well, actually wearing a Chrono Trigger shirt anyway. So. Uh, I'd say you ruined everything, but I'm so happy. <laughs> I, was, I was wearing like a, a nice long sleeve shirt that doesn't have anything on it, but it's a good shirt. How does anybody know what you're a fan of? <laughs> I might have to ask. I think it's it's less about like do fandoms have to meet face to face and more what kinds of things are different because right now in the middle of this this pandemic people are like oh we'll just host events online but if you talk about one of the bigger opportunities for fans to meet like-minded fans it isn't just like going to your local meetup or whatever like going to a convention that experience has definitely changed now because even though you can have zoom you can have twitch you can have whatever that experience is definitely not the same and I don't just mean because you can't see if somebody else is wearing the same t-shirt. A convention is this combination of a very public, large gathering where there are conversations, meta-conversations happening broadly, but there's also individual private conversations. And turns out the best way that we figured out to do that is with like physical humans and in real real space. Yeah, I think like every, everything else... You know, you can assert your fandom in very many ways, but I think the idea of going to a convention where it's like by by entering the convention space, you're acknowledging that this thing that you love is so important to you that you have moved yourself and spent your money to exist in that place with other people who love that thing. Like the act of going like us, like asserts your fandom. Wait, uh, the part that stuck out to me when you said that sentence was like the act of paying money because I hadn't. I just accept the cost of entry to go in, but that both makes fandom more accessible in the sense that online anyone can join in on that conversation, but it also changes the experience because then suddenly 
people who may not be fans or who may not be as interested as you are, are also part of that conversation. Like you could go to a Twitch chat and people could show up and be like, lol, look at this dumb stuff, which is very different. Like you're going to go to a con and people might say that, but it's, it's usually in a different context. It's people who might know what's going on. It's like the whole insider outsider thing, except on display. Like it, it's, you know, everything made flesh, right? Like if you go and you buy a figurine at a con, you have to take your money out of your wallet or your card or whatever and tell someone else that you want to buy that. And then everyone will see you carrying it around or put it in your bag or whatever. It's like you were living it instead of just like having a window into it. So like that, that is, you know, it, it's very less about literally meeting another fan of a thing and talking to them about it, but just like, like you're like kind of sort of living in your fandom for that short amount of time. And it, you know, it makes you f- feel more that it is, that it is a part of your identity. So if, you know, if you feel you need that affirmation, then certainly going to a con is a good way to do that. That being said, I'm not gonna lie. In the for the past couple of Doctor Who seasons, uh, certainly over here in North America, they've been releasing the series premieres in theaters. Ah, yeah. And hearing that makes my skin crawl. <laughs> Is what uh, when we talk about meeting face to face in fandom, there are of course different variations in the level of involvement and size and breadth and whatnot like on the one end we have a convention where you have like i'm going to exaggerate here millions of people in a very small space Mm -hmm. itty itty bitty tiny living space and then you have on the other end of the spectrum like your local meetup which might be like five guys in an alleyway or whatever doesn't matter five people at a bar or something like very very casual a lot closer um and somewhere in the middle you have like going to a theater and watching something you also have different levels of interactivity and I've definitely gone on record, especially with regard to conventions, being like, I don't give a crap about watching rooms. They're dead to me. They don't, I don't care about them. So when you're talking about, oh, look, you know, Doctor Who is is having these premieres at theaters. I'm like, yeah, of course. Why would you want to do that? Why would you want to get together with a bunch of fans and not talk to each other? That's, that's what I think of when you mention that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Like that's, that's sort of it. I'm not, but I don't know if I want to talk to them before or after either like if i'm going to a con that's why i'm going to a con to you know meet people and go to panels and and buy stuff and see all the fans if i'm watching something i don't want anyone saying anything especially if i have a reaction and everyone everyone else in the theater also has that reaction (laughs) that is the thing i'm afraid of the most i remember i went to um i want to say it was the 50th special the one the one with the war doctor the day of the doctor yeah that's the 50th i remember going to see that in theaters and in my own experience it was very much just like going to see a movie you know it wasn't like this big rowdy crowd if there was anybody cosplaying it wasn't memorable enough for me to remember it (laughs) i don't know i don't remember any like big moments where everybody's like (gasps) collectively gasping or anything Anything like that, you know, beyond what might happen in just any other movie. Now, yeah, cause, yeah, I don't go to the Doctor Who ones because they're it's like going to be on TV anyway. It's not. I don't think it's any earlier than it being on TV, so like I don't see the point. But I, we did go see the My Hero Academia movie <laughs> a couple months ago. <laughs> uh, everyone was actually pretty. There are a few people wearing like UA uniforms and people dressed up like Bakugo or whatever, but everyone was fairly quiet for the most part. 
and it actually won so bad. So everybody might 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 have felt the same way about it that I did. But I think <laughs> I believe it was the first convention we ever went to. It was Fan Expo. I think it was Fan Expo. Like I think like the three of us. Yeah, yeah. No, it definitely was Fan Expo. And we went. The first thing we did was go into a room to watch oh, yeah. some Fushiki Yugi. Yeah, I could. Um, and everyone there. Yep. Was so loud and like this is the most horrible thing I've ever <laughs> experienced. <laughs> <laughs> and that is what I think of every time. I think of like going to like a fan centric showing of something because there are rowdy showings. That's a thing. Rocky horror. That's like the <laughs> antithesis of what I want. That sounds horrible to me. Sorry to everyone who, who likes going to Rocky Horror. I'm sure you have a good time, but it is the opposite of my thing. I mean, that's only one style of fans meeting face to face. So, oh, it is. I just, uh, I guess, I had a lot to say about that. <laughs> <laughs> we definitely missed the boat on this one because I think it was happening in like January or possibly last year. But um, popular anime movie by Studio Trigger Pro Mare came out, mm-hmm. and um, I guess a tradition in a, in a lot of anime movies in Japan is to have like cheers for different parts of the movie. And some of those traditions made their way over here to North America, have made their way over here to North America, and in particular for that movie. And uh, I can imagine going in to watch that, being like, oh, I'm really excited to see the next Trigger like production. And then just getting people going like, or like whatever, <laughs> whatever the cheers happen to be. But just like having people do that, and you're like, wait, why? what is going on? Ooh. I feel like I missed the boat. Ooh. That'd be that, that sinking feeling. I'd be going up the roller coaster. And I don't like roller coasters. I wonder also if, if you're talking about meeting fans in real life, it's something like a watching party or a, a movie screening. If it kind of depends on the nature of the thing and how mainstream it is. Doctor Who, while definitely a geeky thing, I would say is getting a lot more approachable given that it's very available on like television and Netflix. <laughs> it's pretty available these days. It's, uh, it's kind of like Star Wars in that sense. Whereas I remember, yeah. for example, watching the... We went to a theater to see the release of the Viz dub of one of the Sailor Moon movies. And like people weren't necessarily cheering or anything like that. But there was like a little bit of a promotion for it. There was like some like give a, some stuff you could get when you got to the theater. And there were some people in costume, not a ton of people. And I think that helps to like make people feel connected. And Sailor Moon is not something that's... I wouldn't say it's any less mainstream than something like Doctor Who. But I think there are less people that are... I don't know, huge fans of it because it's older. That's a lie. Sorry, Doctor Who is very old. I think, <laughs> yeah, d- yeah, it sort of depends. But like, yeah, Sailor Moon and Dragon Ball tend to get roped into just like 90s cartoons for a lot of people. That being said, I just like if, if there was like a local anime club and I wanted to join it, but had not joined it yet. And their first event that came up since I became aware of it was, oh, we're going to be doing a showing of this. Uh, for our next thing, everyone's welcome to come. There's like a little fee or whatever. I would be super into going to that. Maybe it's just because it's not a crowd or the purpose of like, like if it's an anime club, the purpose may be to be like, this is stuff that not as many people have seen and we want more people to see it so we can talk about it. That's it. That completely recontextualized it for me. It would make me excited to go. Let me tell you about your local college slash university slash high school <laughs> anime slash manga slash whatever club. Yeah. That's an interesting tradition that I feel like has fallen out of favor by comparison as the internet. I say this as though like the internet is this thing that didn't exist until recently. <laughs> that probably has more to do with, 
I grew up with the internet. I was like 12 by the time it was really a thing. But like the, the internet has kind of like filled that part of the community. Whereas I think previously for all your face-to-face gatherings, you would have had to have gone to a convention or gone to your local club, which could have been for your city or town or college or, or whatnot, which has had some like great and terrible changes on things too, right? Like online you have social media and you have like this projection of the way the group works or you have certain behaviors that are hard to stomp out that aren't great which are easier to stomp out in person like if somebody's being rude or whatever you can just you know tell them not to come and possibly enforce that but Mm -hmm. online like it's like hello i'm john smith too Um, (laughs) definitely not the same person who was harassing you before i mean in all likelihood there's a far less chance of people being rude or harassing in person it happens, but I think it's far less if you're meeting someone face-to-face than online and behind the anonymity of words. I mean, with regards to, like, an anime club in particular, at first, anime was really rare. Secondly, and then it was really expensive. And now you yeah. can get as much new anime as you can watch coming out of your eyeballs for, like, <laughs> 10 bucks from Crunchyroll. So it's like the only thing that the anime club would be offering at this point is the, you know, the group connection. Like, the, the affirmation that there's other people that are also into this and want to talk about it. I'm sure that there's also like a, a chain of recommendations, right? Like, sure, $10 a month to Crunchyroll, you can watch however much anime you want, but you don't have as much, you don't have however much time to watch anime as you might want. As an example, uh, having a club could be useful for, you know, uh, person, person B in the club, always recommending this or that, getting you into stuff that way. Unless Crunchyroll has a, a, a YouTube or Netflix like recommendation algorithm. I don't seem to. I'm sure there's a derogatory term for people who like dubs, but I can't think of it, but I'm that. <laughs> so animation, baby. But like, it's now the opposite problem, right? There's too much. And like, how do yeah. I decide which exer- absurdly long titled anime I want to watch? <laughs> yeah, it's interesting because like the move to face-to-face changes so many things and or the move away from face-to-face changes so many things, but it also doesn't. Like the communal aspect doesn't change or it doesn't have to, I should say. But like when you're talking about school clubs, it's more than just getting recommendations. It's like having somebody who you can talk to face to face about Mm -hmm. the thing you're interested in. And you're like, yeah, but why do I care about what some rando thinks? And the answer is you don't. Nobody cares what any rando thinks. It's because that rando eventually becomes a friend. And then a friend is someone that you care about. Lately, as a result of COVID, many organizations have been trying to move things online take conventions it's like oh well we'll play our panels or what have you online and for me like there's there's definitely an aspect of like fear of missing out because now there's like 10 i don't know let's say there's a dozen conventions and they're all online and happening at the same time and i have to choose which one i want to go to um but really it's that when all these events are happening you don't get to have the same connection the people that are in the that are broadcasting are very extremely unlikely to ever connect with you on a personal level. It's like a flat, it's a flat. No, for me, it's not an experience. I'm still sitting at my computer. <laughs> like it, it, like it, I'm not so much of it is, is like this thing makes you go and travel and, you know, walk around in the case of anime North, walk around a horrible part of Toronto to walk around. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's very hot. But you do it because you love being there. I mean, some people some people make the same argument about seeing a movie at home versus going to the theater. 
I know in my heart of hearts that going to the theater is just like the biggest, most gratuitous cash grab on the part of the theater. I know that. You know how cheap popcorn is? It's so cheap and I love it and you can't, you'll have to pry yeah. it from my cold dead hands, but going to see the movies is an experience and it's maybe yep. not the one that you and you personally enjoy. I, I do. It's very different than when I'm watching something at home. Like I'm not going to hold up Endgame, Adventures Endgame as like the best movie of all time or anything like that. But I felt things. Mm. Were they fleeting? Yeah. Absolutely. But that's an experience I can't recreate in my living room. Regardless of what movie I watch, if I watch something for the first time at home, I'm not going to be able to recreate it because the car is going to go by. Um, <laughs> the bun's going to like hop up on my lap. <laughs> I'm going to like check my phone because I forgot something or I'll get a notification or like Lulu will ask a question. Like, I'm not giving my full attention at home. I could. I definitely won't. And the same is, tr- is true at a convention. Yeah, the, the, it being the experience changes everything about it. And it, it, will, may, it will make it a lot more memorable for you. So, at, uh, at MAGFest 2020, <sighs> the last con I ever Ooh. attended, uh, <laughs> I was in the dealer's room walking around. And there was a booth there, a small booth there that um that sold a bunch of enamel pins and some of them were flags of like different sexualities and different gender identities i had recently gotten a bisexual pin and it fell off on a bus somewhere so i was like okay great this is a great opportunity for me to get another one and and they're all behind the counter so you'd ask for it she's like oh which one would you like and i'm like oh the bisexual one and saying that out loud was like a jolt to my brain because I'd said it to myself a bunch. I've said it to you guys a bunch. I've said it to my <laughs> partner a bunch. But saying it out loud to a stranger mm. was like, holy shit, it feels real now. And while that sexuality, it's like often, you know, more important to identity than fandom is, I, I still feel like a little bit of that same thing when I'm like, oh, I'm, can I get the, the Denki, Cal, uh, Denki Kaminari <laughs> uh, tag <laughs> to go in my backpack? It still feels like, oh, I'm like, I'm identifying myself here. I'm, I'm showing my face here, a real face to this person who I've never met before. And that's okay. The act of face-to-face like sort of enforces, enforces your identity in yourself that this, is, that this thing is important to you. And as such, that's why it cannot replace, not be replaced by Zoom or Skype or Google Hangouts or Twitch or Blip. Is that a thing? YouTube, Twitter, uh... Instagram. Don't forget TikTok. How could I forget TikTok? Of course, <laughs> young enough to understand and be on it. We all know about TikTok because we all use it. Oh, well, yeah. No further questions required. That was going to do it for this episode. If you have opinions about the topic, why you think friends <clears throat> should meet face to face, or why we should never meet face to face ever again, please send them to nickofthenickscast.com. If you are interested in following up on the show, you can do so. Uh, our Phantopological Facebook page or at Phantopologic on Twitter if you want to know what the three of us are up to you can check out at the Nixcast pretty much anywhere on the internet just just type it into Google and pick the social media of your choice we even have a website if that is something that interests you if you want to know what the three of us are up to individually apart from Nix, Nixcast stuff I make synth electronic music which you are certainly welcome to check out at fragileair.bandcamp.com or wherever you stream your music and uh, keep your eyes peeled because I got something coming out up pretty soon. If you want to know what I'm up to, there are two things that you can check out. One is the Zeal Archives, where every other week 
we take a look at a single bit of the world of Chrono Trigger. You can find that at zealarchives.com. It is a part audio drama, part discussion podcast about the world of Chrono Trigger. The other thing that you can check out is twitch.tv slash the race against time. It is where I stream. Generally, it is a charity event August 8th and 9th this year where we raise money for the Alzheimer's Society of Canada by beating Chrono Trigger and getting all of its various endings. But leading up to the event, this and every year, we play a bunch of different games. And lately, I've been playing whatever games are on my bucket list of of games. Still raising money for a charity, in this case, a local LGBTQ community space called Spectrum. And if you're wondering what I'm up to in general these days, doing a little bit of writing. And you can find that over on Amazon. Any Amazon, anyone you like. Just type, if you can handle it, NSC Zakarowitz into the search bar, or Eowulf, a mostly modern verse translation. And you'll find, so far, one piece of writing that I've got up there that I want you to see anyway. (laughs) There might be other stuff, but you'll have to really look to find that. Good luck. (laughs) The challenge is on you, dear listener. Thank you for listening. Hope you enjoyed, and until next time, we'll talk to you next time. Bye, everybody. Breaking news! We have a special announcement from the Epic Film Guys. Can you imagine a world immune to all forms of cancer? Ladies and gentlemen, the time has come for our fourth annual live stream for the cure. And this year, we need your help more than ever. Please join us May 27th through May 31st for 48 hours of live content from guests and podcasts around the world. We'll be aiming for our most ambitious goal to date as we try to raise $10,000 for the Cancer Research Institute. Please visit www.livestreamforthecure.com for more information on this year's event and how you can be a part of it. Together, we can make a difference.